running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosmer says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's up, folks? Greetings and welcome to these Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me is Mr. Dominic Stern. Uh, fresh off a trip from Florida, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Uh, a lot has happened since we've last talked. Uh, I don't even know where to start, Dominic. Where do, where do I start? I mean, the, the, yeah, where, where do I start about? I mean, the, this is a brand new feeling about this team, I, I would think, just because of the addition of Juan Soto. Um, jump in, Dominic. First off, how are you doing, man? How, how was your trip? And uh, how shocked were you getting that Juan Soto news in Florida? Yeah, so Florida was a blast. I mean, I got to basically broadcast baseball games almost every day. And it's exactly what I want to do. So that was a lot of fun, but it definitely was weird being kind of disconnected from the Padres because a lot of the games are starting 640 Pacific time, which is 940 Eastern time. And it was almost impossible to stay up for an entire Padres game on the West Coast. As much as I tried some nights, you know, just chugging water, trying to just, you know, pump some energy into myself so I could watch the games. And then <laughs> I had to be at the fields at eight 30 the next day. And for a nine hour workday, you know, not in air conditioned in the 90 degree humidity in Florida, it was just so hard. But I mean, ever since uh, our season ended, I've been able to really be in touch with this team. And it was funny because as soon as our season ended was the series against the Dodgers, and that couldn't have gone any worse for the Padres. And then game one against the Giants, they get shut out against a 30-plus-year-old Alex Wood, and everyone's just panicking. And I'm just like, well, you know, you got to trust this talented lineup of guys that have been performing all year to supplement the guys that haven't been hitting well for the Padres. And then sure enough, the Padres walk it off against the Giants and then throw up 13 runs in game number two. I'm certainly excited to watch how this team performs for the rest of the season. But I mean, even if they play decent baseball going home, they're still not guaranteed a playoff spot. I mean, we saw how badly they played last year. Uh, I feel like a lot of those guys in the clubhouse are going to remember that and be uber, uber motivated to get into the postseason this time. And especially with guys who have been there and done that. Yeah. There was a, I don't know, a bit of a, a lull in the play of the team after the Dodgers series, they seemed a little stagnant. The, the second and, and third game. Uh, well, in fact, the whole series for that matter. Uh, I don't know. It, the first giants loss with, or the giants loss uh, at home was, was, was demoralizing and the fan base kind of just lost it there for a little bit. I think everyone's a little more calm now after two wins and the offense picking up and, and the hopeful return of Fernando Tatis Jr. soon. Um, but talk to, talk to me about the dynamics of a Juan Soto trade and, and obviously bringing in Bell and Drury as well, as well as Josh Hader, and, and what that means to the dynamics of the team and how that takes a little bit of time to kind of reset and, and kind of get off on, on the right vibe, if you will. Let's, let's talk about that, if you, if you will, Dominic. Well, I've consistently said on this podcast that if there's anyone in Major League Baseball that's better than Fernando Tatis Jr. and better than Manny Machado, it's Juan Soto. So safe to say, I was very, very happy with the acquisition of Juan Soto. I think that there were a lot of people in the Padres fan base who didn't necessarily pay attention to just how good Juan Soto was in Washington. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was 
an anchor in a World Series lineup as a 21-year-old, and then when he was 22 and then 23, being the heart and soul of a team that had just lost a couple of players after a World Series team. And pitchers are throwing him breaking balls that look like strikes and they're breaking out of the zone. And he's just spitting on them like a 30-year-old veteran, and he's 23 years old. I mean, the stuff that he does at the plate is absolutely incredible. And in our lifetime, we have not seen anyone like this. And there have been better players. I mean, you know, you think of Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, guys like that for me. And then, I mean, certainly there's guys like you, and I want to put names in your mouth, like A-Rod, King Griffey, who have been better players than Juan Soto. But what he's doing at 23 years old is absolutely incredible. And what the Padres get out of him for the next two and a half years is something that they can't really get just out of anyone on the free agent market yeah, and yeah. on the trade market with giving up, you know, minimal guys. So the fact that Sadler was willing to part way with a lot of the guys in the farm system and approve that trade and that Preller sought out a package that was able to convince Rizzo's to give up on Juan Soto uh, is truly incredible. And I, I really hope the Potter fans can appreciate yeah. it because I hope they understand just how good Juan Soto is. And I mean, I think you, you saw it the series against the giants. He was one of the only guys to have like at least a decent series against the Dodgers when absolutely mm-hmm. no one was hitting. He's that good. And I really yeah. don't think there's ways to describe it at the plate. No, I mean, but the Padres paid the price tag. Let's not let's not oh, be yeah. around the bush as far as that that's concerned. Uh, the full trade uh, was Juan Soto and Josh Bell uh, for Robert Hassel, uh, Harlan Susana, James Wood, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, and Luke Voigt was thrown in there uh, at the very end. But the five prospects themselves come with a tremendous upside. You can make an argument that three of them are, are major league ready. I don't know how aggressive they want to be with Hassel, but he's near major league ready. Ready, ready. You would think at some point in 2023 he will be with the Nationals. Uh, Wood is progressing, unreal. And, he's and so Sus- good. And, and Susana made his debut with the Nationals the other day, averaging a fastball of 100 miles per hour. Averaging, folks, not just throwing. Averaging. So. The Padres paid a, a tremendous price tag. They are prospects. There's a lot of uncertainty with them. We saw Gore and Abrams and the hiccups and, and uh, the flashes of, of just being a rookie and, and the uncertainty that comes with that with both players. So there is definitely no, no certainty. Um, I'm not prospect hugging by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination. But you got to acknowledge what the Padres yes. gave up to get this yes. superstar, 100%. Yes. Yes, you do. You you, you make that do. trade ten out of ten times, but you have to acknowledge how good the prospects of the Nationals got back are. I mean, some yes. people are talking about how the Padres fleeced the Nationals. No, I don't no. think they did, but I mean, it's the Padres have a legit shot at winning a World Series with Juan Soto now, and you do that ten yeah. out of ten times. It's, I mean, let's 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 like you said, let's not beat around the bush. They they, they the Nationals upgraded their team for the long term. They in two, three, four, five years, all these guys are going to be at the major league level or have had a chance to, to play at the major league level or been shipped off to other teams and other deals or whatever. They, they proved value and they got value. If you can get value from a, a potential superstar hall of fame player, like Juan Soto, they did get value. And, and then look at Voight in itself. Voight is under control for the next two or three years. That's someone who they can have a, a veteran presence, a, um, a powerful staple in that lineup, hundred percent. Yes, bring people to the ballpark to see him, and and you know that that turned out well for them as as well because it, it definitely would have been nicer to get rid of Hosmer in that regard, and and I you know who knows what the dynamics of that deal was. Who knows if the Padres were eating the whole salary on that? Um, it's it's a lot of stuff has happened. Um, let, let's move on the Hosmer deal if you since we since we talked about that. Um, I was surprised that they ended up eating as much salary as they did. I don't, I don't know about you, but the Red Sox are basically paying league minimum for Eric Hosmer. And that's kind of, that's a good deal for them. I, I mean, I know Hosmer is horrible, but that's still a good deal for a large market team like the Red Sox. And when you consider what they've been getting at first base, obviously that's not the point of this podcast, but no, no. Do you know, do you know who the Red Sox were starting at first base, James? Uh, yeah, they had a mix of uh Got a Dahlbeck and who else? Somebody else. No, because Dahlbeck was hurt. It was Franchi Cordero that oh, they were putting right. at first base. Yeah, he was right. a train wreck at the plate and at the field. So they needed a first base presence. I'm not. Yeah. Kinda, I'm not. I'm not really shocked the Padres went to the Red Sox for this. But yeah, they're playing. They're paying them less than league minimum. 
And that's for yeah. like a rookie deal for Eric yes. Hosmer, the four-time gold glover, multiple-time all-star and world series Ugh. champion that you hear about whenever the Padres are on a national yeah. broadcast and yeah. Yeah. Padre fans just roll their eyes because they know he's not that anymore. Clubhouse was, leader, right? He's the clubhouse leader. That's what I heard multiple times. Yeah, it was shocking <laughs> to see how much they had to give up in terms well, of money dollars. Yes, it, it is. It is. And, and, you know, he has a chance to opt out of his, his three-year $39 million deal at the end of this year. And I don't see that happening. I don't no. think Morris will let him do that. I, I just, on the open market, I don't see him getting that kind of money. So the Padres are going to end up paying $13 million per season for him for the next three years. That's crippling. I mean, it's slightly crippling, but when you're a larger market team like the Padres are now, it's, it is it is what it is. You kind of pay players to go away that you make mistakes with. And obviously, Eric Hosmer was a mistake. Let's get into the clubhouse presence thing, the AC love that was shown for Hosmer. Um, That's awesome. You know, I, I, know, I know people in the clubhouse. I know people in and around this team, and they do – regard Eric Hosmer or they did regard Eric Hosmer as a clubhouse leader. And, and I can totally see that he's been around the league for a long time, a world series champion, four-time gold glove winner, 10 years of service time. Yes. He is a leader. When, when a young player comes into the clubhouse, he is a leader. He is someone that they look up to. He is someone who takes a young player under their arm and buys him dinner and blah, blah, blah. That's just part of the game, but there's different facets of leadership. And obviously the Padres didn't feel he was, producing on the field and just giving the vibe, I guess that, that they wanted. I, I mean, I, I don't know. There's no other way to, to sugarcoat this. The fact is they're paying him to play somewhere else. And that in itself speaks absolute volumes to his worth and to his value to the San Diego Padres. You can argue all you want, but he's gone and they're paying someone else to field him every single day at first base. And I, I don't it's, <laughs> It's crazy because if you look at it, 10 years ago, the 2011-2012 Potters had a payroll of the same exact money that the Potters are paying the Boston Red Sox to pay yes. Eric Hosmer. Yeah. It's wild how far the Potters have grown. And <laughs> because they sunk, it was a sunken ship with Eric Hosmer, and they said, you know what, we're going to be better off paying you to be elsewhere. And, I mean, you've seen what Josh Bell has been able to do, just kind of mm-hmm. being the guy behind Machado and Soto and in front of Drury. Just, just, just the defensive presence alone. I mean, in the, in the first series or two, just coming off the bag to make a play on, on a ball that was obviously thrown away just, by Machado. That was Just that, that, stretching that, forward. Yes. Just stretching it's, forward. It's unfathomable. Using angles. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, first baseman use angles. What? Stretching for the ball? That, that what? Crazy. That's, yeah, it's it's... It is and it's mind, not even like blown. Bell or Drury or Myers are prolific defensively. They're just no. not Eric Hosmer. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I love Will Myers at first base. And he, he he's unorthodox but productive and gets results. And I, I, he, I don't know. Well, let's not go backwards. Let's not talk about <laughs> negative things. Um, but obviously, Will Myers should have been given the keys to first base a long time ago uh, when they signed him to that long-term deal. But. It is what it is. Uh, the Air Cosmer era is over in San Diego. Uh, this team needs a first baseman for next year. What are they going to do in that regard? Bell's a free agent. Uh, they could move Cronenworth to first, although I think Cronenworth's real value is a, as a middle infielder in the numbers he puts up. Uh, Myers could be brought back on a tiny, small deal. I, I don't know. What do you What are you thinking about first base for this team in 2023? I mean, this team doesn't have a first baseman on its roster for next year. I mean, that's the no. reality of the situation now. I mean, if they're going to take a look at it and say, all right, we have Soto in the outfield. We potentially have Profar in the outfield. We have Grisham in the outfield. Mm-hmm. We have Azokar, who, I mean, obviously is just going to be a guy out there, but they yeah. have outfielders. So, you know, ideally you want to tease it short. You still have Hassan Kim, who's finally, finally turning a corner offensively and has been yes. so elite defensively. So yes. you want him in the middle on field. Cronenworth can play first, so that's a possibility. But like you just mentioned, Cronenworth does not put up offensive numbers you want at first base. He'd be no. a low average offensively, just like Eric Cosmer was at first base while playing elite defense there, so you can at least live with it. Yeah. Potter fans aren't going to want to hear this, but Matt Beatty, who is not proven anything as a Padre, but was a decent hitter for the Dodgers, could potentially play first base. That's his natural position. It's a very valid question. And I think there's going to be guys uh, externally the Potters could go after that maybe they try 
and re-sign Drury or Bell, that's probably going to be a little too far out of their price tag range, especially if they do want to bring back some more pitching or if they want to extend Soto going forward. Yeah. So there's options. I do think the best option is probably Kim at second and then Cronenworth at first. But like you mentioned, Cronenworth definitely loses value at first. You're 100% right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the odds-on favorite right now of what they're going to do at first base if moving forward. But obviously, AJ Preller is not one to be shy about addressing needs. It's it's to me, it's exciting to have a hole at first base coming into next season because they can bring in a group of three or four veteran players at first base and let one of them establish himself and and take off. And and I don't know, it's exciting to me. They can actually have a first baseman that mashes the ball and and provides a lot of power. And and they can they can pick and choose and, and cherry pick who they want to bring in at that position moving forward. So that's that's exciting. Uh, this team's going to have to save money somewhere. Uh, you mentioned Peter Seidler uh, this week in his comments that the team is going to explore bringing back Juan Soto, which is just like my mind is just blown. I mean, this is a Padres team that's invested uh, over six hundred million dollars into two players in Machado and Tatis. And they're likely going to have to throw another $500 million to re-sign Juan Soto. So we're talking about a billion dollars committed to three players for the San Diego Padres. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, you're, you're young enough, but I mean, I'm, this is – I mean, my earliest remembrance is asking my dad, what happened to Dave Winfield? I mean, that, that's my earliest remembrance of this team. And now they're – going out and the sky's the limit. I mean, Padres were, were actively talking to the angels about Shohei Otani at, at, at some point. There, there's just a sense that there's nobody that's unattainable for this team. And that's just in itself. Absolutely exciting. If you're a Padre fan, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but this team is putting its best foot forward. And that is just, it, it continues to blow my mind. It really does. Right. And I was amongst the party that if you trade for Juan Soto and you just get three cracks at the postseason in a World Series with him, that's fine. I yeah, really thought yeah. that was worth it. Yeah. But I mean, if they extend him, then let's let's go. I mean, yeah, like I, sure. <laughs> I, I don't know how the dollar figures are going to match up and the rotation and the pitching staff is definitely going to be one that's going to have to suffer through that. Of course, you have yes. Joe Musco for the next five. Uh, well, see, I, 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 I don't know. I like this this philosophy or this this groundwork that Preller's laying out, where you invest in position players, you have them as a nucleus of your team, you have someone like Musgrove to lead the rotation, and then just draft pitcher heavy, just trade for young pitching prospects, let them perform, let them put up value, and, and then move them on along. Because we all know when you pay for a free agent pitcher. They crap out. I mean, look at the Nationals with Patrick Corbin, who is what did the hell did the they, the Nationals pay? I mean, do you cannot pay a pitcher for what they did. You have to get and value Strasburg. from them. Yeah, and 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 the list goes on and on. I mean, Jason Schmidt back in the Dodgers. I mean, there's it's time after look at the Dodgers paying Kershaw right now for what he did, not for what he's gonna do. You can't get in that mindset when you're invested this much money into position players. You're just going to have to bring in young players and, and let them pitch. Uh, I would expect Morahone and Weathers to get an opportunity to establish themselves next season. I, I was kind of shocked that Gore was in the deal. I thought that that would be someone that they would keep because he's going to be under team control for, for a long time. But then again, if Mackenzie Gore is holding up a deal between you and Juan Soto, then you throw Mackenzie Gore in the deal, and that's just how it goes. But I, I would expect the Padres to bring in a lot of young pitchers. They got uh, Groom from the Red Sox in the Hosmer deal, which is someone we didn't talk about, which is a, a young prospect, left-handed pitcher, uh, who's got a decent upside, mid-rotation type of upside, but that's what they're going to need. They're going to need any innings eaters at the end of the rotation and and guys to just get to the sixth, seventh, eighth inning and, and rely on this just prolific offense to just score runs every single game with Soto, Tatis, and Machado in the middle of your lineup. You're, you're, you're destined to score runs. I mean, it, it's just going to happen, right? And I mean, the hope is that they can kind of fix Weathers, who has amounted to practically nothing this year. Bruce Canaires come up and made starts over him, which yeah, yeah. is not a good sign for Weathers, but also a sign that, hey, maybe Canaire could be getting somewhere, you know, a fastball at 95 that seems like it has some life with a couple off speed pitches that are okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be a guy that slots in. I mean, next year, the rotation has at least Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. Those are three yeah, that you can yeah. build off of. And exactly. then if you have. Exactly. 
two spots that you can rotate in. We'll see if Martinez ends up uh, not opting out, which I mean, I think based on how he's performed, at least out of the bullpen, he probably will. Maybe he resigns on a more expensive deal that he has frankly earned with the Potters. That might be fine, but the rotation problems are something that are going to be a concern, I think, further down the line. But if you have Juan Soto, I think you'd rather have Juan Soto than like a bunch of good to solid yeah. starting pitchers. Yes. Yes. It, it, like I say, offense plays every single day. Offense is is there for the fans to see every single day. Pitchers are nice. I mean, the Mets have a great rotation, and then that tends to win in the playoffs. But, it, but look at the Padres and, and what they're drawing crowd-wise. I mean, they had, uh, what is that, 29,000 uh, – or was it 29? There was on the day game that I tweeted out. I mean, that, that's uh, on only, Wednesday. Yeah, and there was 30, about there's about thirty thousand. Yeah, it's, they tweeted out, or they they said they they were thirty nine thousand. Were it looked like it was more like twenty nine thousand. But the way that ballpark is situated, ten thousand people could have been sitting in a damn bar in, in, in that ballpark, uh, and you wouldn't have even known it. But the fact is, they are generating revenue like no other time in, in the San Diego Padres history. The brand new City Connect jerseys just cannot stay on the shelves. They are recouping their money that they're investing. In, in the franchise. And, and this is a, 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 a <laughs> this is a, a, a business this is, model. This is the best hat in baseball. It is the, the mint with the pink is the best hat in baseball and it. They don't even sell it in the team store. Cause it goes in and it goes right out. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. My girlfriend one. And there was none. I, yeah, you got to buy it online and the Padres yeah. get that money. Like, yes. it's unreal. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, they are generating income like no other time. Like I was saying, this is this is a business role model that should be adapted by by several teams. I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates have one of the most beautiful stadiums in all of of Major League Baseball, but their product on the field is just what the Padres were 10, 15 years ago. It's it's hard to watch when uh, Marte and McCutcheon and and uh, and uh, Cole or, or their their nucleus of the team are just allowed to leave because they quote unquote can't afford them. The Padres are doing something exciting for this franchise and for a franchise that really has a obsolete history. I mean, there's no history of success within the San Diego Padres franchise. That's not sugarcoated. There's two World Series appearance uh, in their life. Uh, there's been just horrendous, horrendous ownership, horrendous, horrendous just feelings that the fans have towards the Padres, which is slowly becoming uh, a feeling of love, but there's a lot of bitter fans still out there. A lot of older fans who still are waiting for the shoe to drop on this franchise, sadly. And that's just the old Padre mentality that, that we all had growing up that this just can't be real. And, and, and I, I sort of feel that way being in my mid forties. I, I, I totally still feel that way because I'm just waiting for, for reality there for waiting for me to wake up from this dream. I mean, this, team is is built like just it's it's amazing it really is amazing uh Padre fans should be excited you should be going out to the ballpark you should be spending your hard-earned money on this team and you should be enjoying the benefits of uh of this and and, and kudos to peter seidler and his ownership group for sure uh dominic man what else can we say about this team it is truly an exciting time i know playoffs aren't guaranteed but it is definitely exciting no, and the playoffs are actually far from guaranteed. They only have a one-game cushion over the Brewers, but, I mean, you look at it, yep. Yep. the Padres are a much better team than the Brewers. No one's going to sugarcoat it. This team has the dynamic to to make a run later in the season. I mean, last year, especially once we got to this point, you know, Tatis had gotten hurt. You know, players were substituting all over and playing positions that they don't really play, like with the addition of Frazier. Uh, Paddock got hurt, then Darvish got hurt right after, then Snell would get hurt. The the team's healthy, with the exception of Fernando Tatis Jr., who, I mean, when you think about it, the wrist shouldn't hold him back in any aspect. It's not like it's a leg injury or like a back injury or a groin injury where it's going to prevent him from doing things. I mean, the only thing it's going to prevent him from doing is grabbing the bat, but the Potters by prolonging everything, it it shouldn't hold them back. It's just all going to be about, about breaking off the rust, which is the whole point of the rehab assignment. So this team's healthy. 
Uh, this team has the rotation. They have another starter at the major league level, Nick Martinez, who can slot in if one guy does get hurt, which would, of course, suck. But they have that cushion they didn't have last year. Who was the cushions from last year, James? Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez. Get out of here with that crap. Blech. The Padres team doesn't have to do that. They have Weathers in the farm system, too along with Canair, who have made starts for the team this year. There are options for this team, and the lineup is deep. It doesn't have guys that, you know, aren't performing. Mazzara's on the bench, who is playing well before the Padres brought in these reinforcements. Myers hasn't started in the last couple of days because there's other guys that are way better. Like, he, his last start was on Monday. He's not in the lineup again today. The Padres have rolled the same lineup out for the last three nights. Uh, you know, the catching tandem, Nola's not great, but... The pitching staff seems to like pitching to him. And Alfaro has been a really good offensive catcher for the Padres this year. Let's talk about the catching issue right now. Sure. We talked about it before the start, yeah. Nola's third game in a row catching right here. He caught a day game after a night game. Uh, There's been reports Alfaro's knees a little banged up. He missed some time. Did he miss – did he go on the aisle earlier? I know he had – I think he just missed some games uh, with that knee, knee issue earlier in this year. Uh, it was reported uh, by Kevin Acey that Cam Gallagher has joined the taxi squad in Washington. Uh, that's a catcher that was acquired from the Royals. Uh, quad quad A catcher, just positional depth, if you will. Um, what's the deal with Luis Camposano? Who is arguably the team's number one prospect. I know Josh Mer- uh, uh, Jackson Merrill gets the hype as a number one prospect. We're talking about Luis Camposano, who's been in the system for a long time, been top five for a long time. He's, he's in my eyes, the number one prospect for this team as he's arguably major league ready right now. He's performing at uh, El Paso. Why, why aren't we seeing him? Is it, is it that they're concerned about playing time? Is it that they wanted him to continue to play every day? I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts, Dominic? Because I'm, I'm a little concerned that we haven't seen him uh, – join this this rotation at catcher uh and, and kind of getting some experience if you will yeah i mean i think that the the flag should be the red flag should be pointing because yeah when you think about it alfaro hasn't played in a couple of days and on monday the training staff was looking at him and i was at the game and it looked like they were kind of just like looking at equipment and i looked at my friends I'm like oh it's probably just an equipment issue but then he had a knee injury earlier in the mm-hmm. season, he didn't need to go on the injury list, but he had mm-hmm. it. He, it sat him out for a couple of days. And then Nola starts uh, catching. Who did he catch on Tuesday? It was uh, Dart, uh, Musgrove, who he's caught every single game this season. So you say, okay, that's normal. But then he catches Manaya on the day game after the night game, like you mentioned. And yeah. Alfaro has caught every single one of Manaya's games, maybe with the exception of one. So that, that was my first thing. Like, okay, maybe this thing isn't that bad, but off day and then you have clevenger on the mound like that's primarily someone who alfaro was caught we'll see after that then Nola's in the starting line for the third straight game and like you mentioned cam gallagher's on the taxi squad now the red flags are starting to perk up like that it's not good and then like you mentioned cam Pusano is not being the guy that they're at least bringing on the taxi squad this is a yeah. guy who has played in three separate major league seasons. He got called up in 2020. Then got hurt. Sucks. Got called up last year and Blake Snell hated him. Hated him. <laughs> and that's obviously not good. Blake Snell's very, very peculiar, but uh, it was very apparent that he deemed that Luis Camposano was not ready to catch him or yeah. catch at the major league level period. And then he made a brief appearance uh, earlier this year too it's concerning to say the least. There's no way to beat around the bush here. And maybe they're just waiting to start them at the beginning of a season. Alfaro is a free agent after this year. And they're going to say, all right, you're going to split games with Nola next year, but we're going to just, you know, get you consistent reps and AAA to keep you healthy or something. I don't know. It, it It's concerning, but yeah, I mean, the Potters are very peculiar with their prospects uh, considering how the whole Austin Hedges situation unfolded with him never painting out as a hitter obviously it was a defensive wizard but the bat was just never there maybe they're trying to take it as slow as possible with a catching prospect this time but mm-hmm. i mean they traded away torrens they traded away hunt they traded away mejia they traded away hedges campusano has been the guy that outlasted all those guys yeah 
I mean, they clearly had some faith in Campusano, and now it's just he's just still yeah. there. I mean, I was surprised he wasn't dealt at the, at the trade deadline. I, I suspected the Cubs would be interesting for him in exchange for Wilson Contreras. I, I really thought that the Padres were ready to move on from him. And, and I don't know, maybe I know the Nationals have uh, Ruiz already uh, as a catcher, young catching prospect, but I, I don't know. Uh, Brandon Valenzuela switching in catcher is going to need to be on the 40 man roster coming up soon. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but there are definite red flags. <clears throat> Um, Snell's comments last, last year were troubling. Capuzano's yeah. always had that reputation of being a, a catcher that's, I don't want to say difficult to work with, but needs a little bit of grooming, if you will. I, I, I don't know. Offensive first catcher is still not a horrible thing to have. You 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 tend to believe that defense comes with age and maturity. Uh, hopefully that's the case with him. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, as of now, Cam Gallagher is considered the third string catcher for the Padres at this point. Um, I, I don't know. Nola was 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 being was rumored to be uh, involved in a deal uh, with Boston with Hosmer. I had read that somewhere, uh, and the Padres are going to re- receive Vasquez in between uh, in 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 return from Boston. But that didn't happen. Obviously, Nola's picked it up with the bat in the last week or two defense is still kind of hit and miss. I mean, he's not a natural catcher. Uh, I, I don't know. run on him like mad. Yeah. It's yeah. frustrating. And yeah, do, would I feel comfortable with him behind the plate for a playoff game? No, absolutely yeah. not. But yeah. I mean, at the same time, he catches the ball better. He blocks the ball better. So like, which is shocking, but he does. And the pitching staff seems like pitching to him more. Yeah. There's just not like these catchers have such glaring weaknesses. I wish that the Padres, and that's what Valenzuela seems like. He seems that he's just going to be this constant catcher, like maybe hit like 230, walk yeah, at like well, a 7% that, rate, and be a good guy behind the plate. And that's what the yeah. Padres need because yes. Nola's got his knee problems and his bat's been inconsistent as heck. He's turning mm-hmm. it around a little bit of late, which is nice. But I looked at his, uh, his baseball savant page, and he's like 70th percentile. An average exit velocity, so you'd hope that he's going to be a little bit better down the yeah. stretch. Yeah, the, the I there there were question marks at the catching position. I really was shocked that Contreras was never uh, brought to San Diego. I was shocked that the, the Cubs are going to allow him to to walk. Uh, I don't know if they think that he's going to get a, a compensation pick. They're going to. I don't know what their thinking is. We'll have to wait and see. Um, they, they're the Padres can't obviously can't acquire every single player they want. Uh, fans would like that to be the truth, but that's just that's just not the reality of it. They they there has to be uh, money involved in, in positions. Uh, obviously, take precedence and stuff. So, um, but as of now, this this team is built pretty solid. Let, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the the uh, bullpen, if you will, before we head out of here. Um, the addition of Josh Hader uh, is definitely a benefit. I know that that was a rough outing against the Giants. Uh, team that he's had issues with in the past, but it's okay because uh, it set up the main Machado home run. Yeah, he gets a exactly. pa- he gets a pass. Yeah, exactly. It 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 built up uh, more hype and more excitement. Um, it, it, closers, haters of closer closers have times like this where they give up runs, and when they do, it's magnified three times, and that's just how it goes. But over the past three, four, five years, this has been the best closer in all of baseball. Uh, he was still throwing 97, 98 uh, against the Giants. There's there's no reason to be scared or, or concerned. It's a definite upgrade over Rodgers. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, behind him, there's a little bit of question mark. Uh, Garcia's been hit and miss. Uh, again, it seems like when Garcia gives it up, he gives it up big, but at, at times he's just dominant. Uh, Drew Pomerantz threw in Lake Elsinore the other day. Uh, looks to be close to returning, hopefully. Uh, Chris Matt is, is, is been a little, a little bit, a little troubling over the past few He's seasons. overworked. He's he 100% is, he is overworked. overworked. He is overworked because tend, he tends to come in in multiple inning situations. He doesn't just throw to three batters and, and get a day all, off. Another thing that Chris Matt does is he's always the guy who is warming up whenever a starting pitcher is struggling. Early. Yes. And those pitches yes. add up 100%. Good so point. Chris Matt needs to take a backseat over the next month. That way he can perform in the final couple of weeks and hopefully in the postseason is my yes. my take on that. Because he yes. is 
always that guy. And those pitches hundred percent add up. And especially because he does this weird thing with this glove where he, I'm going to do a demonstration. No one else is going to see it. Uh, maybe I'll post this on Twitter, but Chris Matt does this thing with his glove where he goes this, and he turns around. He's just like cold straight off the bench in the bullpen and just yeah. throwing with his glove. That the Relievers are creatures of habit. And when you call to the bullpen and say, Chris, Matt, I need you up. Cause you might come in and face the next batter, depending on if Mania can get this guy. Like they're like, ah, oh, crap. I got to do everything to get ready. Bullpen pitchers are so weird. And Chris Matt's overworks right now. He needs a bit of a break. Maybe a phantom IL, his feelings are hurt or something. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Chris Matt's overworked because he was so good. He definitely hasn't been as good the last month. Uh, but his fastball is no longer at 90. It's at like 88. The curveball and the changeup seem a little less sharp. He needs yeah, a little yeah. bit of a break. Maybe, you know, coming in the sixth inning a little bit more in uh, less high leverage spots while these other guys come back is, I think, going to be the best thing for Nabil Krizmat in this Padres bullpen. Sorry to jump on you there, but he, yeah. he warms up more than any Potters reliever. Yeah, he's definitely uh, someone that they're going to want to have in the playoffs just because he complements uh, the rest of the staff so well. Uh, Hader, Garcia, Suarez, even Warahone, those are high 90s mm-hmm. type of pitchers. And, and then you throw in a, a Chris Matt who will throw four straight changeups to you and right. it kind of just screws you into the ground. So And he needs de- to not follow Manaya. is another thing. Yeah, that's – yeah, he's – Definitely better when he's following a hard thrower that the that the the hitters are geared up for. I mean, like I say, if I have a lot of respect for a pitcher that can go out there and throw four straight changeups and get swing and misses on him consistently, I mean, that's that, that's uh, definitely uh, a, a a promising pitcher for this team and someone that they're going to need to get right for right. the stretch run and for the playoffs. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. We haven't seen Craig Stamming yet. I, he's still in the IL. I don't know what what the status with him is. Uh, Martinez is kind of going in between uh, someone who could could spell Manaya if they if they need to. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, more. Go ahead. I think Manaya is the perfect five starter because I think Manaya is a much more dependable starting pitcher. You know, there's days where he comes in and he's not great, but he's going to give you innings. He's going to give you those 90-plus pitch outings. And Manaya hasn't been the same since that outing where he had 100 pitches through six scoreless, and then he went back out in Arizona and then allowed three earned runs on the Padres' blew that game. That was a yeah. great game to wake up to in Florida, by the way. Uh, he hasn't been the same, but I, I think Martinez has been a great bullpen pitcher. Manaya obviously hasn't been a great starter over the last two months, but I think that what he's going to offer you down the final stretch is going to be something better than what Martinez is going to offer to you. And Manaya has been in pennant chases before with the A's in 2019, when they were that wildcard team, he was the guy who the A's gave the ball every fifth day and said, go shove. And he did. And then he was the guy last year who was pitching really well for them was an absolute workhorse. Uh, it's been the middle of the seasons that have been kind of a low for him, but I think he's going to really get it going. Uh, Bob Melvin has the trust in him. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even entertain the thoughts of Martinez coming back to this rotation right now while it's still healthy. Uh, the only thing I would say uh, as far as Martinez returning to the rotation is that at some point they're going to have to monitor Mike Clevenger's innings and his pitches. Yes. Um, it might be a good opportunity for a phantom IL spot, uh, something that, it, going into the playoffs. Uh, at this point, Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell are probably designated One, two, top three, three pitchers. Um, in a seven-game series, you're probably going to want a fourth pitcher. Clevenger might factor at some point in that regard. Um, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. He's been pitching really well recently, and the velocity's up. Uh, the sharpness on his breaking stuff is is, is definitely there. Uh, Clevenger's a little bit of an enigma. It, do you think that the Padres will have an opportunity to bring him back? He's bonded so well with Joe Musgrove. He loves the city of San Diego. He's a, he's a great fit for the beach city and, and, and the community and the vibe that is here in San Diego. Uh, you get a sense that he likes it here. You get a sense that money wouldn't be his number one goal in, in free agency. Uh, what do you think Clevenger gets on the open market? And do you think the Padres have an opportunity to sign him? Well, I thought that leading into like the second half of the season that Clevenger returning on a one or two year, you know, 15, $20 million deal was almost a lock, but he's been so good in the second half of the season. Like you mentioned, they are going to have to monitor his innings. And I think that Martinez, you know, maybe taking a start or two from him or him following him, you know, coming into the fifth and saying, Hey, yeah. go out there work three, hand the ball off to the bullpen after that 
but he's been good. I mean, I think he's going to earn a contract close to $50 million. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure he would probably take a hometown deal with San Diego. He has shown that he really, really likes pitching here. Uh, obviously getting to work with Potter's pitching coach, Ruben Niebla, somebody he's expressed as being a massive plus for him, you know, the San Diego fit for him, uh, with kind of being that surfer dude. I, I think that he really likes that. I mean, who was with Joe Musgrove at the city connecting, uh, with the surfboard at, at yeah. Pacific beach. It yeah. was my Clevenger. He, he was that guy. So I think that Clevenger sticking around. Uh, maybe taking a little bit of not a hometown discount, but just uh, a returning discount mm-hmm. is a possibility, but he has really increased his price tag, which credit to him. Uh, he's no longer just going to get that kind of like, Hey, we need, we need a starter. You got that kind of experience. You're familiar here. Here's a deal. He's earned the money that he's going to be getting. And the second Tommy John thing is a little scary. He's proven many people like me wrong, who thought he wasn't going to be that much of a factor this year. He's been good. Uh, he certainly emerged as the three or the four starter behind Darvish and behind Musgrove. So, and he's been arguably the best guy in this rotation over the last month and a half. Up there with Snell, who's been pitching really well, with Darvish, who's been consistent ever since that awful start in San Francisco, and Musgrove has been consistent all year and has slowed it up a little bit, but just gave seven innings of one run ball against the Giants. So. I think that Clevenger is going to return. And if he does, that really helps out the rotation. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's some question marks with Clevenger and um, Manaya's free agents at the end of the year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see that obviously their uh, focus looks like it's going to be on. Oh, wait, 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 James. Holy moly. Jeff but, Passan just tweeted Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. Violated major league baseball's performance enhancing drug policy and is facing a suspension sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Holy, holy. Oh. wow what wow 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 hold on that oh. is crazy so obviously there's no details other than this tweet from passing but that's crazy what the heck um okay uh so tatis is wow. facing a suspension. Um, wow. Um, instant reaction is holy crap. I mean, it's what, all. What, how, uh, what? Oh, wow. This is crazy. Uh, I mean, it's awesome. Kim's time to shine now for real. I mean, the Padres lineup possibilities that we've kind of been throwing out there are just thrown straight out the window. Oh, God. Okay. Um, there's what 50 games left in the season. Uh, this is so his first, he, this he his can't first play time. in the playoffs, anyways. Really, if you get yeah, if you're suspended for drugs, you're not playing in the playoffs a year. What that's a rule, mm-hmm. that's a rule, really. That is the rule, yes. Wow, are you kidding me? I thought, I thought as long as the suspension was played out prior to that, he couldn't. That's what I was just saying. How many games are left? What's the first time, uh. PD suspension isn't it 30 games 40 games 45 games uh what, what, it's probably going to be 80 so so probably carry yeah so probably carry over into next year so the first a uh, first time suspension is 80 games yeah that's probably what we're looking at of course if you're listening to this podcast we don't know the exact details yeah, of the suspension we, it, yeah. we will if we if i find it out while i'm editing this podcast it'll take me about an hour to edit it uh, then I'll come in and I'll, I'll give the details of the suspension before all this stuff. But I mean, the defensive alignments of where Tatis is going to play, where he's going to bat in the lineup, who's going to move down, all that stuff is thrown straight out the window if this report is true. I mean, no one else has reported on it, but ESPN, from what I've seen. Uh, wow. I mean, that's crazy. And Passon wouldn't tweet anything like that if he wasn't sure. No, this is this is definitely yeah, then happening. Fietti is... just tweeted he'll be suspended 80 games. Oh my lord. So is it too late to avoid a contract for a more riding a motorcycle? And <laughs> that was well, sarcasm, folks. That was just me. Uh just being me. Just relax. Wow. Um I, I'm 
we talked about earlier as a Padre fan, a longtime Padre fan, I was waiting for the, the shoe to fall, the uh, to wake up from this dream, and it appears that I have awakened. Uh, the Tatis will not be with the Padres uh, for the rest of the year into the playoffs, and for the first Yep, MLB just announced an 80-game suspension. For the first quarter of uh, the games next season. So we will not see a full season from Fernando Tatis Jr. until 2024 at the earliest. Looking at Dominic's face right now. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's shocking. Luckily, this team, I mean, has the depth. Yeah, I mean, Major League Baseball just... Without, without Juan Soto, I would be absolutely just done, floored. With just here it is. Cla- I don't know. Oh Klaus Tebbel. Klaus I don't even know what that is. I'm gonna look it up. Um, a performance enhancing drug. Let's see. God. And this is about to be the most searched up thing. I, I, I mean. I, 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 what is it with with Tatis that continues with these these mental lapses, these errors in judgment? A this is concerning. Synthetic, anabolic, intronic, steroid. Yeah, you remember who is the guy? You remember when we had uh, what's Zach Bunt Dustin? Obviously not like trashing on him, but he was like, they need to extend him now. And I said, I don't want to give this guy an extension, at least for three hundred million dollars. I don't want to do it. He hasn't proven that he need that he can stay on the field, that he can make these correct decisions. And yeah. he just hasn't. He he frankly hasn't. And I mean, this is disappointing. Uh wow. So I mean, yeah, he's gonna miss a quarter of the first of next season, too. This is oh my god. This is this is troubling. This is this is troubling. This is troubling, Padre fans, and you're getting a live reaction from us. We're about ready to wrap up this podcast. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm getting angry. I'm, 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 ang- I'm getting angry uh, at the fact that this team is invested a lot of money into someone, and they continue to make errors in judgment. I. I I understand you're young. You want to ride a motorcycle. That's fine. You know, I'm willing to overlook that. That was kind of, to me, 50-50 on the team. The team should have done their homework and and, and made sure he was all right. But he, and then, I mean, he is tainting his legacy now. I mean, the, this is a, a, a player who's potentially, I, I know he's so young, but potentially a Hall of Famer. I, you, you just tainted your whole legacy. You just tainted everything that you worked for I'm, 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 I'm really angry. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that he is going to have to face this steroid allegations thrown at him for the rest of his career by Dodger fans, by any fan that wants to taunt him. He deserves it. I mean, he he definitely does, but it's, this this is a synthetic steroid that he tested positive for. So I mean, these athletes, he may have taken it on accident, but I mean, your job as an athlete when you get drug tested is to be responsible for everything that you put in your body and everything that you subject your body of harm to doing. And I mean, we, we kind of saw that. Um, wow. I mean, that's, that's bad. I mean, I haven't noticed anything that we've needed to edit, so I might just throw this podcast right out there because this is crazy. This is, yeah, this is, oh my God, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm I'm going through the gamut of emotions of anger and and sadness and frustration and and just disbelief and partially I'm just like, well, here there it goes, you know. Us Padre fans just can't have things that are nice. This this is just bound to happen. Oh, I, I I don't know, Dominic. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. This is insane. It, but I mean. And the Padres acquired talent, and this team has won without him this year. So it's all going to be up to the guys who are on that current roster. I mean, it makes the roster configuration a little bit easier. I mean, this is obviously just like the professional take on it. I mean, it's up to Kim to keep hitting like he has, you know, stay elite in the field. Colonel Earth gets to stay at second. 
Uh, you know, Drury can stay in that designated hitting spot. It's going to provide more opportunities for Myers and Grisham. So those guys are the ones that are really going to have to step it up. They're obviously nowhere near the quality of caliber that Fernando Tatis Jr. is, but I, this is concerning. And I mean, you saw the Padres didn't want to avoid the contract. You got to they avoid the contract with Fernando Tatis Jr. now. And that's a legitimate question. I, you I, you can't do it after a steroid allegation, right? I mean, it would have Maybe. to have been. I'm not I, sure. I, I, you, that, that, that's you, just a possibility. I know, mom. I know. I know. <laughs> My mom just walked in there. I mean, this is shocking. This yeah, is I know, I genuinely know. shocking. Uh, wow. Get get your mom's immediate re- response. Tell her how, nice. how disappointed is she? Uh, she just said, oh, my God, as she walked out of the room. Uh, I mean, this is shocking. I mean, you, you heard my immediate reaction as soon as I saw that tweet from Passon. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, well, my next uh, topic of discussion that I had written down was talking about Tatis returning uh, and in center field, possibly. So I guess we won't have to talk about that. Uh, I, this is just, I mean, 80 games is, is, is ridiculous. And and the, the, like I say, the fact that his legacy is tainted now, his name is tainted now. uh, This is going to cost him a lot of money through endorsements, through just everything. This, this is, this is troubling. This is really troubling. It it really is. Uh, You know, I, I have suspicions that a lot of major league players are doing drugs and using masking agents in order to get through these tests. And it's really discouraging when you see one of the youngest players in the game, the future of the game, a face of the game. And now with this tainted black mark on his, I I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm frustrated, Dominic. I'm frustrated. This is uh, definitely going to change the dynamics for the rest of the year. Uh, this is definitely going to. I don't know. I don't know. What do you have? What do you have? Anything else to add to this? This last 15, 20 minutes of this podcast have been very painful. No, I mean, I, I think that we need to end this podcast and just get it out right away because people are going to want to listen. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, well, folks, this is episode number 158 of the Padres EBT podcast. Uh, we started out talking how positive we were of the Padres and this uh, season that was coming up in this next couple of weeks and this next month or so heading into the playoffs. Uh, the Padres still have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, I know that our immediate response is is negative. Our immediate response is shock and, and, and disbelief. And I'm sure yours is too. This roster is still built very, very well. And there's still a excellent chance for this team to go deep into the playoffs, if not win a World Series title. So don't ever, don't, 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 don't let that leave your thought process. Uh, this team, this game is not made up of one player, one player only. Uh, it is very, very disheartening to hear this news today, though. Uh, I'm just going to have to leave it at that. Yep. Dominic, take us out of here. Yeah, we thank you all for tuning into this. Uh, I mean, it wasn't really an emergency episode, but I mean, just with this stunning breaking news episode of the Potter's East Village Times podcast, sorry for the two-month break. Uh, I know that I'm going to be certainly more available, and I hope that James and I can record uh, several times a month going down the stretch of this Padres season. Uh, make sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh, continue to check out EastVillageTimes.com, Padres coverage, as well as uh, Aztecs coverage, football season starting. Uh, Paul and Andre have done a phenomenal job of previewing the Aztecs season, uh, in their words, better than any other publication in San Diego has done for any Aztecs football season. So make sure to check them out, reward them for their hard work. And thank you all for tuning in. Hope to catch you on the next episode. And we'll see how the Padres can respond from this stunning news.